Welcome to Moving the Rock. Whether sales is all you do or only part of what you do, the strategies and tactics of success can often feel split between two realities. You can become someone you're not to earn the recognition and praise of people you don't respect, or you can try to figure it out on your own, knowing you'll underperform your potential. We're here to offer a third way. The idea that you can't have success without compromise is just wrong. You don't have to compromise to win in the long term. You can play the game in such a way that you win in the short term and the long term. Through our hard lessons learned, we can shift your way of thinking and create a better way. I'm Chris, founder of SightShift. And I'm James, founder of Florist Group. If you're tired of the status quo, we're here to help you move the rock on your career, your business, and your life. Welcome. All right, Chris, we're back, baby. I'm back for my Dude. two weeks off. What do you think? <laughs> Man, whatever you did, um, it didn't work for you. <laughs> Everybody's asking me, how, how was it? And, you know, it was so profound and fun that I can't give the requisite, you know, blow off answer. Oh, it was great. Uh, you know, it sucks to be back. You know, yeah. I can't do that. When somebody asks me, how was it? I have to take five minutes and just kind of like remember my favorite points and pick one of them to describe in great detail. <laughs> Dude, I, I, well, and that's you you anchor the memory deeper that way it makes it richer in your life it becomes more a part of you i think that's powerful yeah. our mutual friend ryan magata he had sent me a video one time when he got back from vacation and what he felt like shifting back in and he like us loves what he does but right. same time he has a family and you know all the beautiful things i don't know if you've seen it it's about this guy he's in a lake and he's trying to get his kayak turned right side up and he's like sarah i don't know what to do and uh the helplessness and it is a hilarious video but the idea oh. being yeah shifting yeah, back I, in i get it it's uh I get you it. Understand. Well, you we understand. we um just real quick, we uh we went down south and I love the sun, I love the heat. I love just you know, being barefoot and you know, just chill the whole time. But we also when we when we go on vacation, we get together with our my my uh sister-in-law and her family. And we have a tradition, an amazing tradition of of playing a card tournament. And um every year except one Guess who has won the tournament? I don't even have to guess. Dude, you're freaking it, it, playing that high level. It's, it's probably just because I want it worse than anybody else. So I'm really focused on Now we have a lot of fun and, and I'm not great all the time, We, are, but it's a tournament. So it's a marathon. But what's really cool is that my daughters have grown up. You know how it is. Kids learning a game. They're not going to understand strategy as well as the adults. They're going to have to take time to learn all that stuff. But my kids over the years, last year, or the la not last year, the year before last, it was one, two, three, me, Eleni, and Sophia. So we dominated, the Rory's family dominated. <laughs> <laughs> but this year, my youngest, she wanted to win really bad. She was having a blast while she played. Dude, the last two hands on the last night she kicked my ass. She beat me. This is like, this is Olympic-esque because she, we have this point system that's very complicated, but she beat me by 0. 0.05 points. Our, our scores were exact, but that extra effort and energy and dedication and focus that she had put her over the edge. 
It was, it was pretty cool. Congratulate. <laughs> you have made little monsters. <laughs> so that's a, a shout out to Eleni. She's my uh, junior in high school this year. Um, yeah, but we still did. It was, yeah, so it was still, now it was, now it's her one, me two, and Sophia three. So it was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's cool, cool stuff. I love that stuff. Um, so it's been a while and we're back. I'm excited to be back. And, you know, there's something really uh, timely about today's topic, uh, this idea of introductions, right? Uh, when we think about um, if you have 30 seconds and you and your goal is to introduce somebody to your business, what do you say? Right? And there's a lot talked about on the internet and so forth, on elevator pitches, but I want to turn it back a bit, Chris, because I, there are some things that you and I have been experiencing that are perfect examples for this conversation. I'm going to, I'm going to give the answer and then we're going to build a, the reasons around the answer as we go through today. If you're going to introduce somebody to your business for the first time, um, if you're, if you're serious about creating a connection with that individual or using your introduction as a way to create a connection, um, then you have to go back to the conversation that we started way back at the beginning of this whole series, right? When, when you think about the relationship between a buyer and a seller, the only thing that connects them is the problem. What problem are we trying to solve? And the four agreements, right? Why change? Why now? Why buy? Why you? The four agreements are designed to first identify the problem and secondarily get the agreement to the problem so that you and the buyer are solving the same problem and you're aligned and you're focused. Uh, So the the introduction has to introduce a problem so that when you close for the coffee or the meeting, you are closing for a for an opportunity to talk about how to solve that problem for that person. Does that, does that resonate? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm seeing so many times in my own life and people that you and I have no doubt helped, uh, through different interactions and coaching, they so often fall in these ditches and I've lived it where you're either trying to be super cute and artistic and expressive, um, but it doesn't really mean anything, right? And I've done that. Or you're on the other side, and it's it's gross. It's it's too hype. It's too confusing with corporate speak. And then there's this middle reality of clear, effective. I mean, and you, you know, yeah. yeah, I've I've played too much in those <laughs> edges for too long. Yeah, and. And it's yeah, and it can be all about you. Like we can we can choose introductions to say, hey, I'm here's my title, you know, and here's how long I've been doing it, and um, you know, throw something else in to kind of feed my ego. And as soon as we open our mouths, the other person is kind of tuning us out. Uh, So, and I'm going to give you an example of something that you and I've experienced, uh, and it's not it's not an experience we want to we want to replicate, but it's something that we hopefully will learn from, right? How many times for the listeners, how many times have you had a great relationship with a customer 
actually had the customer ask you to put a proposal together. And when you put that proposal together and they're excited about it, when they share it with the rest of the, with the, the buying center, the rest of the folks are going to help them make the decision, it falls flat. It's not, it's not received well. Uh, and in fact, you get the honest and reluctant feedback that says, you know what, we're not going to go forward. So how many times have you has that that kind of positive, even if it's an existing customer, we just had an experience where an existing customer asked us for additional work and we didn't go through the necessary steps of engaging all the members of the buying center. We just took them at their word, invested time and effort, got them to buy in on a great proposal, got them to endorse the proposal to their decision makers. But you know what? It fell flat. Mm. It fell flat. And it's, it's su- supremely disappointing. And in the analysis, what was the most cogent analysis that I could make was that the buying center, the other more important members of the buying center, they didn't agree. There was no agreement on the problem that we were solving. We thought we were solving a problem and they weren't, they did not have the agreement that that was the problem that, that they needed to solve. Therefore, this great proposal they wrote fell flat. They were like, well, why the hell should we make this a priority? They have 75 other things to worry about. We never took that step. Mm -hmm. And it speaks to this concept of the intro, right? The introduction has to introduce a problem that will, that will earn you an agreement, not only earn you that coffee, that opportunity to talk, but earn you agreement to, yes, this is what I want to talk to you about. Yeah. I mean, and, and I think it's powerful that even when you're in situations that, you know, people have connected you with somebody and they just want you to be able to get together, but for you to go in with the clear purpose of why you're there and what you know you solve, you can let the conversation unfold in a really organic way, but you know where that conversation has to land at the end in some way. And I, you know, that was powerful for me two days ago, I think it was, at a meeting like that, this exact same kind of scenario. And it could be one of the coolest opportunities of the year that could lead to amazing stuff next year. And it would not have come to a clean next step resolution if I wouldn't have done two things, not been about the other person, which in this space meant not too pushy. It wasn't It was just a a connection that was happening uh, that it got set up. And then two, when I introduced, you know, even at the end, uh, what is the problem that we solve, introducing it in a way that it was very clear. And that's not what I would have done before really learning the WINS model. Instead, what I would have done is just rolled into that space with a ton of enthusiasm for this solution before we ever spent time getting that agreement on the problem. Um, and, and for those that are listening, if you're solving an important problem, it's not easy to put that into words. If it were, people would have already done it for you. You know, it takes some time and effort. And maybe the team is helping you do that or branding or marketing or whatever. Uh, solopreneurs, freelancers, they're having to do that on their own so often or with the help of others. But don't be discouraged because, Jimmy, wouldn't you say, and I'd be curious to hear in your own progression, you describe the problem you solve with greater clarity today than you did three years ago, than you did five years ago, 
It's an unfolding experience. No question. And it's informed by the reaction that you receive from the market, from your customers. Right. So at the end of the day, we yeah. are servant leaders. We serve shared goals. We walk buyers down shared paths to change. Uh, it is shared. And the more we understand our buyer, the better we can be understood by our buyer. So when we're introducing ourselves, if we really understand our always buyer and we really understand uh, what their life is like, what they what their fears are, what they seek, what they want to avoid, what they believe works, what they believe doesn't work. If we really understand what it's like to, to live in their shoes, then we should be able to understand how to uh, grab their attention, pique their interest, and move them uh, to a yes or no decision on whether or not it makes sense for them to engage with us. Yeah. So you're constantly getting feedback. You're paying attention. You're learning as you do it. If you're doing it on your own, you're getting that real-time feedback. If you're doing it with a team, they're helping shape that. Um, and and that's the thing. Like, even though I've lived this and breathed this so deeply this last six or seven years and, you know, gone on long runs where I'm trying to figure out, okay, why didn't that land? And then you get these insights and these ideas. There are still moments where I leave a space and I feel like, man, I flubbed that. Why, why did I say that? That was such a weird answer to give or whatever. And, and I've learned, okay, don't beat yourself up. You just keep paying attention to this because oftentimes when I'm, when I've flubbed it a little bit, it's because the next iteration is showing up and I'm kind of at the edge of my abilities of getting it in even more zeroed in and clear. Um, and, and so I don't fight against that process, but accept it. It's the unfolding of it. It's getting clearer. It's never a fully arrived uh, thing. You know, there was a product positioning expert I was listening to talk, and she was just saying, you know, in today's competitive marketplace and just the volatility and uncertainty of it, you don't think that you get your positioning locked in and you cruise. You really do have to relook at your positioning every two years at least. Um, and I've heard some say sooner than that. And so when we think about how we introduce ourselves, you know, this, this, we want to find something we can zero in on, but we've never found the best way to say it. It can keep getting better. Hmm. Outstanding. Uh, how, how, yeah. I'm going to ask no, you no, a question. Please do, please, please do. So if somebody's starting out on this journey, how do you give them as a framework or a template to, start zeroing in on that introduction. Yeah, and well, we have this, um, we try to keep things simple, right? We have this model that we uh, like to try to use. So within the WINS model, we have this concept of the ECHO, uh, ECHO outreach. Um, ECHO stands for earn the connection, hook the open. Now, what's really powerful about the idea of ECHO, right? If you're, if you're really using the ECHO model appropriately, then you're going to be echoing, right? What is already going on inside the mind of the person that you're talking to. They're going to be looking at themselves in the mirror. They're going to be hearing their own thoughts out loud. 
<laughs> it's it's it should work that well, right? So earn the connection, hook the open. And what we're doing with this is it's it's really a model for how we want to structure anything that we want to communicate, whether it's an introduction, an email, uh, a telephone call, um, a conversation at a trade show. Um, it could be if you're somebody who cold calls um, on businesses, just walk in the door and and canvas a business. It's the same kind of thing. You've got to earn the right to interrupt them. Hmm. You have to create a connection. You have to then uh, create a hook or hook the open, meaning give them something um, tangible to grab onto and then provide them with an easy way to say yes or an easy way to say no, but move them to a quick decision. Um, and that open should either open up an opportunity to meet to take it to the next step or it's a no now but as we know it's it's not going to be a no never or unlikely to be a no never mm-hmm. so it's a, it's going to open up some next step even if it's not the next step that we desire mm-hmm. you know what i totally forgot about and and you saying that about opening up the next step just reminded me of this and i'm curious just from your own experience because you're more zeroed in than you know, people that might be listening and starting out. When for you was the last time that you just straight up contacted businesses that may have opened an email or anything like that? So maybe not cold, but just slightly. Anything come to mind? Like yesterday? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm. So here's the point. It's. Sales is a game of probability, right. not perfection, as you say, right? So um, I love it that the answer is <laughs> yesterday. That's amazing. Um, so this was like two years ago, and I just, you know, had this energy, and I'm always wanting to go to the next level. No, this is probably three years ago, because I remembered at the time, that before you and I met, and, and the wins model, I saw the power of it. I was looking at bringing on some sales help for the organization. Um, but I said, you know what, first I need to learn it myself in an even deeper way. So I got a list of all the companies in where I'm living, Columbus, Ohio, where we live, uh, that had opened an email, right? And then I got them batched together in addresses. And then dude, I just freaking Mm. old school went into them. Um, and you know, well-intentioned, uh, halfway there on zeroed and deliverable because <laughs> i you know i had my one sheet and the whole thing and and just went in with all the insanity and crazy confidence in the world um but it it helped me see so quick the next level of where i needed to get clearer and where i wasn't clear you think you're clear and then you're in there and you're doing it and so i think for some people too if they're not having those regular experiences where they're putting themselves out there and trying things that are a little nervous or scary. You know, how do you, in, in the speaking world, how do you close that talk in such a way that people want more, but it's not too pushy? Over and over, it's these places where you find, ah, this is how I get this connection. This is how I echo to them. I love the mm. echo idea. I want them to feel like they're looking at a mirror, but they're seeing who they could become, right? They're seeing what they could accomplish. Yeah. Yeah. And and they're motivated to talk to somebody who gets them. 
you know, one of the one of the biggest problems with uh, email, right? Cold emails, right? A lot of people don't like them. A lot of folks recognize that it's just part of the it's just part of the our existence today. But you know what? The emails that are relevant to us, we 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 actually open, we actually read. It actually prompts research, mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter. Uh, I was on the phone the other day with a CEO who wanted to talk to me about lead generation because he opened and responded to an email that I had sent him that was essentially cold. But he said, mm. I hate email lead generation. <laughs> and I, and, and it, 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 you know, he gave me all the reasons why he doesn't like it, but I said, you know what, that's how we met. Right. It's like, yeah, I know. So it's like, so it's like, I said, so I asked him, you know, how do you, how do you figure that happened? He's like, I don't know. That's what I'm hoping you can teach me. So here's a guy that hates it so much that he actually complained about it to the guy who got him to respond to a cold email. And I said to him, look, it, it's, it's, it's not that you're getting the email. It's getting that you're, e- you're getting an email that's not relevant to you. So the best thing that we can do is we can, yeah. we can not just think of this as a quantity, a game of quantity, right? It's not a numbers game. Think of it as a game that has to involve some quality. How do you make sure that you package the right message for the right, for the right buyer? He's like, well, I don't know how to do that. I said, okay, great. It's good. I'm glad we're talking. Would you like us, would you like to continue exploring this together? Sure. Let's go. So yeah, he got a chance to get, you know, some, some, uh, something off his chest and I got a chance to kind of make a point and build a closer relationship with them. But that's the idea. People yeah. aren't pissed off because you're calling them during the day. What upsets them is that it's not relevant to the things that's on their mind right now. So why not just do a little bit of research? Why not just do a little yeah. bit of prep? And why not treat that call as something more valuable than just, just a throwaway? Why, you know what I mean? Our emails yeah. get 50 to 60% open rates. How does that happen? A little bit of thought and a, and a lot of planning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and what happens for people is they get attached to something they would prefer as a tactic and they get distasteful of a tactic that they don't prefer, which is all just relative mm-hmm. to where they are in life. Because the funny thing is, I'm curious, what was the age of that CEO? Oh, probably late 40s. You know, so I'm thinking of like, I'd spoken for an event uh, a few weeks ago and they're in sales, all the people that were listening, but they were older. And so their preferred, their, their preferred, their preference, their preferred way of say, uh, selling is to have, uh, a high quality relationship and, and not be digitally based. But yet that whole industry they're in is moving digital. Why? Well, it's like my 15 year old, she showed me this meme. And it was hilarious. It was about Gen Z, Generation Zoomers, the Zoomers. It's her generation. It said this, Jimmy, and I may have told you about it before. Gen Z, they would rather drop, kick a racist than ask for extra sauce. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just this idea that you have so many of these restaurant industries, you know, headed towards them not having to talk or interact with anybody. They get it delivered to their house. They fill out the menu online on the app. They just go in and get it. They don't want to they interact tip with in anybody. advance, right? Tip in advance, <laughs> right? and drop on your stoop. Yep. This, 
I mean, this is like, and, and, you know, I know we as Gen X are in the middle. And so we, we can flow back and forth, but this whole thing is when I know who I am and the value, the impact I deliver, the problem that I solve, and I'm listening to the other person, then I'm finding the ways that they want to be talked to, how they want to be talked to, how they want to be connected with, you know? And so I know in my own kid's world, they would actually rather get a relevant email than have a phone call. The key is what you're saying, relevance. The tactics are gonna change. It's the relevance, the impact of that echo back that makes it so real. And uh, I, you know, I just see that shift occurring now and people are still arguing about tactics, not about the clarity of that problem they solve. Yeah, yeah. So how, how do you help somebody that is at an intro level, at a beginner level, they're, they're getting it dialed in, What's some things they should be paying attention to in the feedback that they're getting uh, to make sure that that echo is yeah, occurring? So you, you, um, so the earn, this idea of earning um, the connection, the first thing you have to do is earn the right to interrupt somebody. So what you want to do is you want to be paying attention to the circumstances and events that trigger uh, a buying cycle for someone. So we, th- we use this concept of a trigger file. So we're always um, asking people, you know, what, what was the event? What was the insight? What was it that triggered your interest in talking with us today? Or what was it that it triggered your interest in solving this problem? Right? So we wanted, we're doing, as salespeople, we're not only getting some perspective, but we're gaining insight and doing some research because whatever that trigger was, let's say it's a simple trigger like um, we lost a key executive or we um, we were, were thinking about um, buying a company or we were just bought, right? All these kind of repeated events that occur um, out there in the business community that we pay attention to. Um, and uh, you, you simply ask enough of those kinds of questions to understand what are the events that are most likely to trigger an interest in addressing the problem that you solve. That's one of the components of identifying that always customer uh, and the always buyer within that customer account. So the earn is really based on that trigger. And instead of waiting to talk to somebody about what the trigger might be, we actually incorporate that trigger in that initial introduction. So if I met you at a party and you asked me, James, you know, what do you do? Which is a very standard conversation, right? Uh, if I sold insurance, um, I might not want to say I sell life insurance, right? Because aside from saying that you're a defense attorney, or that you chase ambulances. Like there's nothing more, there's no buzzkill worse, right? Then, and, and believe me, I, nothing against people who sell insurance, but my dad did it for 30 years. I did it for three months. And, um, you know, I just didn't have the chops for it. But instead of saying I sell insurance or I'm an accountant or I sell sales training, right? I mean, instead of telling them what you do, why not put what you do in the context of something they can relate to, 
Mm-hmm. Right? Somebody who sells insurance doesn't just sell insurance. Think about the think about what kind of goals they deliver for a family. Right? A person who sells life insurance actually can secure the the education and the future of the next generation. You know, you secure the legacy of involved parents who love their kids. How do you do that? Well, if God forbid something happens to mom or dad or both, life insurance can make sure that that child is taken care of, their education is paid for, and their life doesn't doesn't have to suffer more by virtue of the fact that they lost that that parent. So when we when you know, I have a very personal story. We bought life insurance and we overbought. Why? I didn't want if 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 my kids lost either me or my my wife, one of us would have to go work. The question is, okay, great, who's raising the kids? So mm-hmm. at the at the level of insurance that we bought, one of us would have to work. Well, that's not going to work for us. The kids have to be raised by one of the parents. So what do we have to do? We have to buy enough life insurance so that nobody has to work, so that my kid is not raised mm-hmm. by a stranger. So think about mm-hmm. the emotion, and, and I can do this because I'm putting myself in the seat of the buyer because I am one. But think about now how the many, the many ways that a that somebody who sells life insurance can introduce themselves, the trigger that they can use to to grab someone's interest and attention and make their story, make their brief thirty second introduction personal and and meaningful, even in the context of a party where we're not there to talk about business. I don't have to just say I sell life insurance. I can be much more creative and much more inspirational. Mm-hmm. It's zooming out to vision. Uh, it's awesome. We're talking about this. It's uh, a couple of weeks from now. It's a, a speaking opportunity, and there's going to be a few hundred life insurance agents there. Um, and it's it's all it's all about zooming out the vision. You know, we see this with all kinds of businesses. You know, you're not just you're not just selling pizza. You're giving people a great time and connecting. I mean, it, and when you think at that visionary level that keeps you from getting into the corporate speak of, of grossness, into the cute, ineffective speak, but right in that sweet spot of helping people at the highest level yeah. resonate with where you are. Yeah, so a life insurance, so we should probably work on, on your introduction. I'd love to work on several stories that would actually <laughs> yeah. inspire these folks, right? Um, you know, yeah. what, what business are you in? I'm in the business of securing the legacies of parents who are dedicated to their children. Who doesn't, that's in that spot, want, not want to solve yeah. that problem. And, and by the way, I'm giving just no. enough. I'm using words that, I just made that up. So it's like, it can get better, right? But think about it. I'm using words sure. that are emotional. They're, evoke, they're designed yeah. to evoke a feeling. And a response. They're also designed to generate anticipation, and they're also yeah. ge- designed to generate questions. The first question is for yeah. me: is if I heard that, wow, sounds cool. What the hell do you do? <laughs> like, well, how do you do that? I mean, isn't that what we want when we yeah. introduce ourselves? Is the question of that that question that deeper inquiry to give us a chance to be more specific? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I mean, for me, and this is the thing that I think that I was saying earlier and want to encourage people on, you know, the answer that I'm giving right now is new and experimental. 
because I'm working on the new iteration of it and because I'm working on the new iteration of it, it's, it's a little bit messy and that's okay. It's just different than it was a couple of years ago. Now, the flaw could be that I try to wait till it's perfect. I, it's never going to be perfect. But right now at a party, what I would say is so different than I would have said a year ago. Somebody comes up, what do you do? Wait, do you know what limbo moments are? Those in-between moments? Something's really successful and it wasn't enough or a challenge. And they could start telling me about a limbo moment. Well, these limbo moments surface moments that we see we don't like something. Maybe we don't like who we're becoming, you know, boom, boom, boom. And, and mm -hmm. I'm experimenting with it now. It's messy, but it's getting clearer and it's a new iteration. And so it's this unfolding process, but you can't get, you're never gonna get to a perfect one. And as you play with it, you get to see that real-time feedback. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. tracking with you of it. So what's well, so next? You earn, you earn the right to interrupt or you earn the right to kind of like break into their, the normal story inside their head and you grab you uh, grab that attention and it's because you understand a trigger that your audience focuses on or thinks about or cares about. And if they're not the right audience, they're going to self-select out, which is fine for you because you're wanting to talk to somebody who does care and is interested. And so, and so um, when we think about the urn, we think about um, starting our story with that with that trigger. And now the connection can be something that, that makes that relevant. So you're doing the work for mm -hmm. the buyer by connecting that, uh, a relevant insight to them or to their business. So much in the same way that you did, if I'm talking about to continue this concept of insurance, right? Securing the legacy of parents who are dedicated to their children, the connection moment could be, do you have kids? Mm -hmm. Right, right. It could that's be that simple. simple, or it could be I, you know, you know, I, I've met somebody, but I know they have kids. Maybe I'm at a graduation party and they're running around, or whatever. But you know, tell me about how would you would describe, um, how would you describe your connection to your kids? I mean, I'm I'm, I'm riffing here, but the idea is we want to keep it emotional. We want to take this idea of that trigger. Um, securing the legacy um, of, of parents who are dedicated to their kids. And it could be something as simple as connecting it now to them. Um, um, you know, do you have kids? How do you feel about your kids? Yeah. Then the question, then, it, then the next step is, well, that's what we do. Um, you know, we make sure that, um, that, that, that the, uh, that parent, that the, we, we eliminate we eliminate the risk, for example, of um, um, of parents who, for some unfortunate reason, who can't be there to raise their kids. We make sure that they can be raised in the way that those parents um, would have wanted if they couldn't be there. And maybe I'm, yeah. maybe it's obvious I'm talking about death, but maybe it's not. But the point is, is that we eliminate the risk of the unknown of having an unknown or a limbo moment. Uh, impact have an undue impact on the kids that isn't in line with the vision or that the, that those parents have for those kids. So there's a better way for me to say it, yeah. but the idea and is that you want to you want to create a story, a trigger, and then have that lead to the statement that says that's what we do. 
this is what we do. Mm. We eliminate limbo moments for, for parents uh, who may have the unthinkable occur. Mm-hmm. What's powerful, and, and yeah, for people listening, it's like, if you're thinking, oh, that sounds manipulative, go back and listen to all the other episodes. It's, it's not using fear. It's not using things that have been used in gross, you know, sales experiences where people are trying to trigger someone out of pressure instead, and just use the word self-select, it's stating it in a visionary way. They can be a part of that process. They can be invited into this conversation with mm-hmm. you, or they don't have to be. Um, right. And it's okay. Right. It's right. Okay. And so, yeah. And, and part of that hook is going to be some kind of impact statement that that resonates. So, in fact, we, we you know we find that we can do this, or that our clients are able to achieve this result. Um, and then, and then to further secure the fact that we're not trying to be manipulative, we might just. I like to end my introductions with, we, I can't promise these results for everybody, but if you're, if you, in my world, I sell the businesses. So if you've got at least this many people, we should be able to help. If you'd like to talk more, happy to set up a call. But the idea is that we can't promise these results to everyone, but if you fit into our, if you, if your family looks like this, there's a good chance we can help. So we want to also mm-hmm. not, we also want to eliminate the hype from this introduction. So there it's, it's all honest. It's all truthful. It's all told in the context of a legitimate story, but it's also when we want to step away from, because we also recognize that, you know, hype, uh, you know, hype is, is the, is an, is kind of like the negative. I look at it as the negative a result of trying to transfer enthusiasm to somebody, you know, um, this transfer of enthusiasm <laughs> has to be sincere. It has to be. It can't have hype attached to it. And so we want to, we want to, we want to build tools that that put that governor switch <laughs> on our enthusiasm, so that even though it might be meaningful to us we can be sure that it's going to be meaningful and accepted and recognized by the folks we're talking to. Dude, I love that. I mean, <laughs> brother from another mother, because we haven't ever actually even talked about that, but I, I am, when I started becoming more aware as a leader, more secure in who I was, the distaste for hype, because all hype is, is an increase of intensity when there needs to be an increase of clarity Hmm. and that's a harder path but the increase of clarity intro as we talk about today the the introduction you wrestle this down you get to this point of clarity that what you say lands so deeply with the always buyer that you heard about in the other episodes that you don't have to increase the intensity which is the fear the manipulation the hype Hmm beautiful yeah um so putting it all together here's uh here's something that i might here's an intro i might use for my business um hey james good to meet you tell me what you do uh well it's interesting after looking at the assessments of nearly two million b2b salespeople, we found that about 74 percent right three quarters didn't even meet the basic requirements of their role 
which means which means most businesses have the wrong people in the right or wrong roles and to compensate for this skills gap or this gap of fit most companies just do most companies just hire more salespeople than they need and accept lower results than they should mm -hmm. this is our focus we deliver a 100 percent predictable growth curve to organizations that is tuned to the organization it optimizes role definitions and it optimizes the fit and finish if you will of the people that play those roles and we're able to within one sales cycle the organizations that we work with we're able to achieve growth rates of up to 37 percent just by implementing um, some basic um, clarifying steps. Now we can't do this for everybody, but if you've got at least 10 salespeople in your organization, we should be able to help. And if you'd like to connect, I'd be happy to make time for coffee or a call. Mm. And that always buyer is going to say, how soon? Sounds interesting. Um, or no, no, thanks. And it, and it, it, you know, if I've ever had to stand up, like I, you go to these networking events where they say, Hey, new guy, stand up, give us a minute, stand up, give a minute. Why not tell a story that could be repeated? Why not tell a story that has some interesting facts to it? Why not spend a little bit more time just trying to identify a relevant moment um, that the folks you're talking to can identify with? Why not spend some time identifying a problem that your ideal customer wants to solve so that when they agree to meet with you, they're agreeing to talk about that problem. So it's not about yeah. what you do. It's about the impact of what you do as you solve these challenges for people. Dude, that's that's why I bought figuredatshitout.com. <laughs> so I could tell that story in those meetings and just give the URL and people would check it on their phone immediately to see if I was telling the truth. Like, yeah, of course <laughs> I am. Dude, what a joy today. Ah, pleasure, my friend. Glad to be back in the saddle, and uh, I'm glad to be doing these episodes. Uh, I look forward to the next time. T Heck yeah. Thanks for listening. If you've learned something or were inspired to try something new, please rate the podcast and share this episode with someone you know. If you'd like to learn more, visit and connect with me, James, at floristgroup.com, F-L-O-R-I-S-S group.com. And if you want to connect with me, Chris, check out SightShift, S-I-G-H-T, shift.com. Peace.